church leaders, welcome to the CEO Pastor Podcast. My name is Cindy, and I am your host for today's episode. My goal is to provide the management expertise every church leader needs to produce the ministry experience every church leader wants. We'll skip the jargon and cliches and focus on ideas that will help you accomplish the church's mission in your unique ministry context. Ready? Let's go. On today's episode, we're going to discuss self-assessment for leaders. And it's important that leaders do self-assessments because sometimes the people that we're leading don't feel comfortable sharing what they really think of us with us. So we have to be careful to do that self-assessment on our own. Now, the problem with that is, of course, as church leaders, we know that we are fallen people and broken people. So sometimes we're very quick to deceive ourselves about who we actually are and how what we do affects others. So hopefully some of these self-assessment ideas will help us to get beyond the self-deception that we tend to have. So a couple of the first ideas go back to what we've already talked about in the strategy map. The great thing about a lot of these um, leadership and organizational techniques and ideas is that we can apply them to our own lives personally. We don't just have to apply them to business. So something that may be helpful specifically in the strategy map is the SWOT, the Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats Assessment that we discussed in Episode 6. It might be a good exercise to go through and say, what are my individual strengths and weaknesses? And what are the opportunities and threats that I'm facing as an individual? Sometimes when we sit down and think about those things, we notice some stuff if we have a more structured way of looking at things that we normally wouldn't if we were just sitting and thinking about it just on the fly. So even if you're just doing the SWOT, that would be helpful, but maybe even just going through the entire strategic map for your own personal life and how you would like to run your own life and incorporate that into how you approach leading the organization that you're in. Another really popular method of self-reflection, of course, is journaling. And there's lots of ways to go about journaling. One that's discussed a fair bit is to describe what your legacy would look like if everything went just perfect in your mind. Another way to think about this is writing out your obituary and all the things that you would like people to say about you when you go to be with the Lord. And then once you look at what you've written for your legacy or for the obituary that you've created for yourself, you can say, okay, here are the things that I'm doing well, and here are the things that I need to improve on in order for my life in reality to reflect this legacy that I've described or this obituary that I've written for myself. Some people think that writing your own obituary is a little morbid, but as believers, that's something that we know is reality and that death is something that's not to be feared. So thinking about what is going to be said about us and what legacy we're going to leave when we die and how we'll have served the Lord while we were here on this earth for the time that he's given to us is not a scary prospect. It's actually something that the scripture asks us to do to think about how we're living our life and whether that matches up to the ideal that Jesus set forward for us while he was here on earth with us. Other questions that you can think about is uh, who you do admire and why those people are worthy of your admiration. What makes you admire them? Or if you can't think of people you admire, which shouldn't be hard, a lot of us have heroes of one sort or another. Another good exercise is 
who do you not want to be like? My brother and I, before we started working in our own company, first with dad as the owner and then with us as the owners, we worked outside the company at different workplaces. And a lot of what we learned while we were working for other people was how we did not want to treat our own employees, our own crew, once we got to be the boss ourselves. So it doesn't always have to be positive role models, positive people that you're learning from. You can also learn from people who you say, I don't want to be like that. And then if you sit down and think about it and pinpoint exactly what it is about those people that you don't want to be like, then you can take steps to avoid those behaviors and avoid hurting people in the same way that those people have hurt people or dragged them down or whatever. Another thing that you can go through too when you're doing your journaling is your own core values as an individual. Now this is always hard because there's so many great values and you want to incorporate them all, but these are the top five or the top 10 things that you really want to embody as a person or as a leader. These are the ones that you kind of would die on the hill for, the ones that are so important that if you had to choose one value over another, depending on the situation of course, you would pick these core values above all else. So sometimes thinking through our core values too will help us in our own decision-making from day to day. If you have a core value of kindness, if that's one of your major values to be kind to other people, then it helps you when you're making a decision about something in your life. If you say, okay, one of my core values is kindness, which decision that I can make in this particular situation is the most kind to other people? So sometimes having those core values outlined and even explaining why you have chosen those particular values can help you make decisions in your day-to-day life. And of course, you can always go back and reevaluate those core values. You don't have to have the same core values all throughout your life. It's not that any older values are no longer important. It's just that you've realized that there's other values that may become a higher priority over time as you learn more and as you grow more. Another great thing about journaling is you can evaluate your day-to-day You can write down what went well in your day, the things that you had big wins on or even small wins. They don't always have to be big wins. And what went poorly and how you can make those things better if that kind of situation comes up later. Sometimes these daily reflections are helpful because we find ourselves in similar situations day after day. And the definition of insanity, apparently, is doing the same things over and over and expecting a different result. So sometimes if we take the time to sit down and actually reflect on our day, we can begin to notice those patterns and stop those patterns in their tracks instead of continuing to have the same result that we don't want and not sitting down to figure out what we can do differently to try to get something else out of those situations instead of the result we don't want. Another way journaling can help too is if you're facing a particular difficult situation and you're trying to make a decision, and there's so many options that you can't choose one, there are too many good options, or it's just a very complicated issue that you're thinking through. Sometimes if you can use your journal and write out what exactly the problem is and all your different options, then when you reread that information that you've written, sometimes when you reread it, you'll notice things that you wouldn't notice if you hadn't put it outside yourself and were reading it as if it was something else that somebody else had written. 
Like once you put something onto a page, there's a tendency to be able to evaluate it more at a distance instead of it being as personal as if it's inside your head. So writing out the information, all the all the details of this difficult situation can sometimes help you get clarity when you're trying to figure out what to do in that situation, whether it's with a relationship or with a decision for the organization or even your own personal decision for your own life. And sometimes even just free journaling, even that can have some surprising results. I remember one time a few months ago, I was writing some journal entries and When I reread it, I had said in the entry that I wanted to have more joy in my relationship with God. And I was reading it and I was like, huh, where'd that come from? I couldn't figure out where that had come from because I had never ever thought about that before. But somehow it had just kind of made its way onto the page. And I realized that I had a desire to not just, like it always seemed that I was always bringing like my problems and my worries and my complaints and all those things that God does want us to bring. I was always bringing those things to him, but I wasn't doing enough celebrating, not just for myself, like the wins that I have for myself, but also celebrating the wins with God too, because he wants to hear about those things too. He's happy for us when we succeed. He wants to celebrate with us and have joy with us and give us joy when things are going well too. It's not always about asking for help and having him help us through problems. He wants to rejoice over us with singing, as the verses say. So I realized when I reread that journal entry that I had written and saw that in there, I was like, huh, okay. I obviously have a desire to find ways to celebrate more with the Lord instead of focusing on the problems and the issues all the time. So that way, once you are able to notice those things, then you can make a greater effort in your day-to-day to make those changes that you didn't even realize consciously that you wanted to make. Another way to self-assess is by personality testing or skills testing. So there's lots of different personality assessments out there. There's Myers-Briggs, there's Enneagram, uh, there's DISC. There's all kinds of different things. And each one, they evaluate different aspects of your personality and they can help you see where your strengths and weaknesses are and where your tendencies are. And that way you can either mitigate them or you can try to improve on them if it's something that you really don't want to continue to have be an issue in your life. Sometimes some of these personality assessments can help us see things about ourselves that we didn't realize and we thought that other people were the problem when in fact we ourselves were the problem. That's that self-deception thing that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. We like to always think that uh, other people are the issue when in fact it might actually be us that's causing the problem. So sometimes that kind of assessment, a personality assessment, can point those things out to us that we don't notice about ourselves. And also skills testing. If you can find some skills assessments There's lots of different ones out there. They can show you where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. Now, there's some philosophies that say you need to work on your weaknesses and fix them, and some that say, no, you should focus on your strengths. I'll leave that decision to you. But once you know what your strengths and weaknesses are, especially if an outside assessment is helping you to see that, then at least you're aware of them and can make the decision, is this something that I want to work on or am I going to delegate any tasks associated with my weaknesses to someone else and just focus on my strengths instead? At least then you can make an informed decision 
about what you want to do with your skills. And the awareness there will help you look out for resources for the things that you want to strengthen. So when you do an assessment and you realize, oh, this assessment says I'm really creative, I should really work on that and make that be a more of a focus in my leadership skills, then you can start looking for courses or webinars or different people who will speak to that issue and help you bring more of that creativity out in you so that you can apply it to your own personal life and to your organization. So you may be saying to yourself, well, all this is great, but I don't have a whole lot of time for these kind of things. And that's fine. We're all busy. Everyone is running around and trying to figure out what's going on half the time. But sometimes if you don't spend at least some time reflecting, then it can cause you greater issues down the road and it takes up more time to try to fix those issues or deal with them than if you had taken a smaller amount of time to do that self-reflection and self-assessment that you would have needed to prevent that issue from happening in the first place or at least make it not be quite as big of a deal when it does happen to come up. So something that might help if you're doing a day-to-day type of reflection is to have a particular place that you go, like a chair that you sit in specifically when you're doing your reflection, or if you have a special place in nature that you like to go to, or a particular coffee shop or setting that you prefer to think in somewhere where you can focus and if you have the habit of going to a particular place and maybe even have certain rituals that you do when you go there like let's say you go to a coffee shop and you buy yourself a certain type of coffee that you don't usually drink and then that eventually will sink into your mind that okay this is the signal that I'm going to sit down and reflect on what's going on in my life right now and how I can improve what things I need to learn what things I need to do better, which things I need to think through more clearly and more in depth. So if you have a ritual like you get your coffee or your tea, or maybe you light a candle or some incense or have a special blanket that you like, I don't know. Some people have different things that they enjoy when they're trying to relax. Like you want to be in a relaxed state when you're doing this and not thinking about all the other things you're trying to do because you're trying to focus on reflecting on the ways that you can improve. So just think through some of the things that might be helpful to do as a ritual when you are starting your self-reflection. Maybe some deep breaths or just a pause where you're not really thinking about anything. You're just kind of taking a mental break. What is it for you that will help you relax your mind long enough that you can do the self-reflection that you want to do? So I'm going to include some additional resources in the show notes and on the website that will help you look into this further. I found a couple of really excellent articles online that have some really good suggestions for self-reflection specifically for leaders and a podcast that discusses, they call them three life-changing questions and the questions are very excellent. They're ones that I had never thought through completely the way the gentleman described them in the podcast. So that might be helpful as well. So I'll have a few resources for you to look at if you want to dive into this a little further. And on our next episode, we are going to discuss feedback for leaders. So how you can get feedback from people outside yourself and incorporate that feedback into your self-reflection and into your self-improvement. So I look forward to discussing that with you next week.
Thank you for joining me for today's episode of CEO Passion Podcast. I hope you discovered an idea that you can apply in your unique ministry context. Head over to CEOPastor.com for more resources and meet up with me and other church leaders on social media for further discussion. Any questions or suggestions? Email me at podcast at CEOPastor.com. And don't forget to share, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast to help spread the word that managing ministry better makes ministry better.